Welcome to this episode of my podcast series, The View From My Middle Finger, where I take a look at the world through the many social media platforms. This is The View Through My Middle Finger, where your opinion matters, but The View always looks different from my middle finger. If I close my eyes, will the world have changed when I open them? You may be wondering about the title of this episode. In fact, the title could be viewed in a couple of different ways. If I close my eyes, will the world have changed when I open them? This could refer to some of the social changes we are all grappling with. Changes on how we relate to each other and how we perceive the world around us. So the title could either mean, what will the world look like if we allow the change to continue, or if I close my eyes and open them, can we go back to a simpler, possibly less ambiguous life? If you're a regular listener to my podcast, you'll know that my aim is to highlight the ridiculous and the absurd topics found on the internet. In this episode, we will of course highlight some of these views. However, we will also attempt to understand the views of both sides of the debate or arguments around social change and attitudes, and see if we can rationalise them. Again, a warning, some listeners new to my podcast may be easily triggered, and if that's the case, I do not apologise. After all, this is the view from my middle finger, not yours. The internet, and more specifically social media platforms, are a melting pot of ideas and opinions. Some that make complete sense, and many that make absolutely no sense. It's not that the no-sense examples may not be grounded in some sense, as opposed to nonsense. WHAT THE FUCK?! It is typically the way in which the topic is presented and argued for all to see that dilutes the value of the argument to the point where logic and common sense just doesn't stack up. In this episode of The View From My Middle Finger, we will present some examples of these viral demonstrations of inarticulate debating and administer a healthy dose of sarcasm middle finger style. Let's start with the discussion around gender pronouns. Whether we agree or disagree with the introduction of gender pronouns, one thing we can all agree with is that it's a topic that agitates people on both sides of the debate. In this example, we look at a guy named Stephen Crowder who posts videos on YouTube, where he typically situates himself in and around college campuses and interviews students about such topics as gender and pronouns. Oh, and before we get started... Let's see what the dictionary has to say about pronouns. Thanks, Mr. Gaff. Well, where do I start? How about you just give us the dictionary meaning? These AI fake computer voices that can't think for themselves? A word that can function as a noun phrase. An example would be, I, or, you, or, to someone or something mentioned elsewhere in the discourse. Example would be, she, or, it, or, this. Gee, I am glad. We cleared that one up. In this exchange, Stephen discusses what gender pronouns are with this person. And I'm specifically referring to this human as a person as I do not want to offend. And besides, I'm not really sure which gender they are. I'm Madison. I'm co-president of Spectrum, the LGBT organization on campus. Great. Love to talk to you about this. Great. Thank you, Madison. My name's Stephen. Okay. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, You sitting down and... um, what is it that you disagree with? So, um, I think you happen to be, you're confused on the idea of gender versus sex. I'm confused, okay. Yeah, okay, so, when we say there are only two genders, we often confuse the idea of gender and sex. 
Sure. Sex is a generalization of XY chromosomes, so we assume that or, you know, XY, XX, you know, combination of chromosomes. Um, so we assume that, you know, male and female comes from your chromosomes, right? But uh, that's really just the idea that there's only two possibilities of sex, right? So even within sex itself, you know, you can be born uh, intersex, which okay. means that you're born with sexual characteristics of both what we would consider male and female. Um, and then you have gender, and gender is more about a mental state based off of societal norms. So within our Western society, we often discuss gender as being binary, meaning that there's two options. Sure. So boy, girl, man, woman. However, in other societies, non-Western societies, there are more than two options. Okay. I thought, so, can I can I ask you a couple yeah. questions there to unpack? Um, appreciate you taking the time, by the way. So what, what was your, your name? Madison. 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 So let's go to the sex concept before mm -hmm. gender, I think, because the idea of gender being different from sex is predicated yeah. on the, the, the idea that sex is um, binary. That's where you mentioned that term, gender yeah. binary. So you mentioned intersex. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm, I'm aware of intersex. Now, of course, intersex doesn't necessarily mean that someone is completely between sexes. Usually they have very identifiable characteristics like a very large clitoris or micro penis. In that case, it also affects 0.08. People think this is funny, it's just true. Less than 0.08% mm -hmm. of but population Earth. But they still but exist. But they still exist. Let me ask you this. In human anatomy class, uh, how many fingers are you taught human beings have? Uh, we're told typically that people have 10. However, there are people born with 11 fingers. But you're fingers. taught 10, right? Yeah. So we don't teach people there are people born with 11 fingers. There are people born with 12 fingers. Yeah, but we don't completely but, dismiss that those people exist just because that they're uncommon, do we? We teach that human beings have 10 fingers. Mm -hmm. uh, I would wager that everyone here has been taught, yeah, human beings have 10 fingers. Of course, there are anomalies. Mm -hmm. That's the same way that we treat intersex or these, as you said, you mentioned chromosomes, genetic abnormalities that are very, a very extreme case. So I think what we need to do is remove this extreme case with sex, just as we would with how many fingers, toes, how many kidneys you have, how many feet you have. There's something that's typical, there's something that's atypical. Hang on a minute. How many fingers do we have again? And um, how many fingers are we taught in school? Let me delve into the recesses of my brain. How many fingers on one hand? How many fingers on one hand? How many fingers on one hand? Let's all count together. Let's see now. One, two, three, and then there's a four and five. Um, and let me check the other hand. Then you go to gender. Um, this is where, listen, I'm open. Everyone has said sex is different from gender mm -hmm. and gender is not non-binary. Um, so I would like I'd allow you to kind of unpack that for me. Yeah, so uh, in Western society at least, so in our country, in our society, we, we tend to think of gender to be on this binary spectrum. Mm -hmm. of you don't, well not even really a spectrum, just a binary. So you have man, woman, and that's it. Those are the only two options. However, gender really is more of a spectrum. So it's non-binary. There are not just two options. Okay. You have man, woman, and then everything that doesn't fit into just man and woman is considered non-binary. That's an umbrella term, and that includes a lot of different categorizations. So how many genders are there? I can't, you can't put a number on the number of genders because everyone uses different words to classify themselves. I would disagree. I'm not, that's where it changed my mind. I'm not convinced that anyone can just use any classification for themselves for their mm -hmm. gender, and certainly not that then we have to compel society to uh, address mm -hmm. them this way. Right, I'm sure you can understand that the, the compelling of language mm -hmm. is an issue. So what gender do you think you are? Well, I, I'm a male. Okay, well, I think, maybe I think you're a woman. No, legally I'm a male. Oh. It says on my driver's license that I'm a male. Okay, so that's your sex. 
No, it's a, yeah, I'm also a male. Sex. That's your sex. It says okay. on my uh, carrier so, certificate um, that I'm a male. What if I gender. Say I Some legal you. documentation say gender. What if I say I don't believe you? It doesn't matter. Exactly. It doesn't matter if you don't believe me. No, it doesn't matter because biologically. What gender, what gender do you think I am? I would assume you're female. Yeah, see, so you're making assumptions. Yes. I identify as non binary. Yeah, I don't, respectfully, it, it doesn't matter. It does matter. Now, actually. let me ask you this. What would you say if I have. It matters what pronouns you use for me. It matters how I'm okay. socialized in society. It matters my gender expression. It matters the way that I'm allowed to express myself. It matters what bathroom I use. It matters who I'm allowed to live with. It affects every aspect of my life. So you saying. What pronouns what, should I use? You should use they, them pronouns. So you saying that you and don't. And what if I don't? Me, what if I don't? If you don't, I would consider that disrespectful. And that's actually an act of violence to misgender a trans. It's an act of violence. Lips fighting words. <laughs> Let me understand this. What is an act of violence? Well, there's disrespect and then there's violence. Are the two the same thing? Let's have a look at some examples of disrespect for which none of these, as far as I know, led to those disrespecting others being charged with a crime. We saw people cursing police. I'm pretty sure that the police didn't want to be called pigs and racists. Here is another example of a sergeant disrespecting privates in the army. This is a practice used in the military for training. You are pukes. You are the lowest form of life on earth. You are not even human fucking beings. You are nothing but unorganized, grabastic pieces of amphibian shit. Because I am hard, you will not like me. But the more you hate me, the more you will learn. I am hard, but I am fair. Now, let's see. Should all of these be considered acts of violence? And as such, should we also treat these as equally unacceptable as we would if we were to misgender? That's something I'll leave with you to ponder. Let's head across the pond now to the UK and to the outspoken journalist and presenter Piers Morgan as he debates the question of gender pronouns. Why do you think Piers is... Uh, so offensive? Well, I think the way that Piers talks about trans people and specifically non-binary people is that you mock them, you make fun of them, you use them as entertainment, you use the lives of real people in this country, a vulnerable minority, as something to make fun of and get a reaction. And I don't think that's the quality journalism when that you do elsewhere. When has he done that? Well, yeah, be, specific, example, be specific. Well, when you claim that you're a two-spirit penguin. Yeah, you know why I did that? Go on. Because you and I had this debate about the 100 genders. And yeah. I made the point, if literally you can now identify in 100 different ways your gender, including two-spirit person mm. and all this other stuff, then I am entitled to identify as a two-spirit penguin. In other words, there are no limits. And what's interesting is, you want me to respect all those hundred genders, however yeah, ludicrous some of them are, but you have zero respect for my right to identify myself in any way I see fit. So, in other words, it's one no. rule for you. You say everyone's entitled to say they can be whatever they want. But the moment I decide that I want no, to be a two-spirit penguin, you go absolutely nuts. Hold the phone. Did I hear that right? Piers Morgan wants to identify as a penguin? Yeah, I, I, I think 
Piers is a beacon of light, and most trans people, and I'm, I'm actually going to use the word transitioners here, because transgender now has become something completely different. Mm -hmm. Transgender now is about floating about in the middle, no commitment, you pick and choose who you want to be. And with the greatest respect, I don't need any gay people coming in to represent me because I'm trans. It's not the same as being gay. And if you're saying that, you know, this is making a mockery of gender, well, what, what's your views on drag? I find drag far more offensive than anything that Peter I mean, says. Drag, drag is gay. No, but drag is gay men. Here is the thing. There are many different people who have an involvement in the gender pronoun debate. Due to the number of gender pronouns being created and the confusion as to what they mean and when they should be used, it does tend to create a very difficult situation for both sides of the debate. When those supporting the use of gender pronouns themselves are confused, then what hope is there for the rest of us? I mean, who's not clear on this subject? Let's have the last word on gender pronouns by listening to this educational message on the subject. I swim, you swim, we swim. Very good, everyone. Now, Farhad, do you swim? I swim. Everyone, Farhad swims, so he swims. Good. Now let's conjugate the verb to swim with the other pronouns. She swims. They swim. Zer swims. Z swims. Zai swim. What's wrong? I don't understand. That's okay. I don't understand. And that's all right, Louise. So I is the first person pronoun used when you're referring to yourself. I swim. Correct. Yes, I understand I, but I don't understand what is that. Oh. They are all gender-neutral pronouns. What does that mean? Gender-neutral pronouns are what you use when you're referring to someone who doesn't want to be referred to by traditional masculine or feminine pronouns, like he or she. So, not a boy, not a girl. That's right, Yuki. Is he gay? Uh, no. Well, not necessarily. My brother, he gay. Is he one of them? Do you know your brother's preferred pronouns? I don't know. My family not speak to me. Okay, cultures are different. It's important when studying and practicing English that you stay sensitive to the pronouns of others. Not a boy, not a girl. Uh, that's a table, Farhat. It is a table. You see, the table didn't choose its gender. Objects can't do that. But people can. For example, what is Yuki? Girl? Well, maybe. We don't want to misgender Yuki. Yes, I'm a girl. You could be. I am. Yeah, but you could also be someone who was assigned female at birth, but now identifies as non-binary. So we would, in fact, use a gender-neutral pronoun for you. Like Z. What is assigned? Is homework? Uh, no, no, no. Assign is how you look on the outside. But how you feel on the inside? That is how we identify. Identify, Svim. Really, Farhad? I am confused. You shouldn't be confused, Yuki. Sorry. It's really not that hard, you guys. There's only 63 pronouns. 63 pronoun. Yes. And it's important before speaking to anyone that you ask, what is your preferred gender pronoun? I have to ask everyone that? Yes, of course. Louise, what if you accidentally referred to a Z as a za? Wouldn't you be embarrassed? No. Of course you would. You should be embarrassed. And you know what else? It's offensive. Right? Right. 
and you want to be a gender ally, right? Right. You're not learning English to be a bigot, are you? Okay. All right. Luis gets it. Okay. So who is still confused? The shrimp. Okay, listeners, what do we take from the educational message on pronouns? Well, not sure about you, but this is what I was able to glean. That there are many new gender pronouns, possibly too many to remember. That people can choose their own gender pronoun, and what they select today may change tomorrow depending on how they feel. Don't worry about attempting to guess which gender pronoun to use when greeting a person. Simply ask them and they'll tell you. And lastly, if you're a non-speaker of the English language and you want to learn English, good luck. As much as the majority of us may have attended school and have English as our first language, on the subject of gender pronouns, we will all need to be re-educated. Let's take a commercial setting for a moment, shall we? Let's say retail. Rather than the traditional greeting to a customer of sir or madam, the greeting may look something like this. How should I refer to you today? After all, we don't want to get the pronoun wrong now, do we? Now let's move on to our next topic, and that's the feminist debate. Yes, another somewhat polarizing topic, especially for those who identify as a female. So what is it exactly that feminism stands for? Let's hear from a feminist so we can understand. The word feminism was coined in the 19th century by French philosopher and socialist Charles Fourier. But while feminists all seek equality between the sexes across political, social and cultural spheres, there is no one type of feminism. The author Rebecca West wrote in 1913, I myself have never been able to find out precisely what feminism is. I only know that people call me a feminist whenever I express sentiments that differentiate me from a doormat. The first wave of feminists fought for women to be able to vote and own property. Until these gains were made, largely in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, women often needed male guardians to transact business on their behalf, which was particularly galling if your guardian was an idiot. In 1949, the brilliant French philosopher Simone de Beauvoir published The Second Sex. She argued that one is not born, but rather becomes a woman. This was good news for those who felt constrained by the expectation that women should be quiet and nice. Beauvoir's critics, and feminism's critics, have often said that anger is not very ladylike. This is no bad thing. Who wouldn't rather be a woman than a lady? Feminism has gradually shifted for women around the world to advocate many different kinds of change, like equal pay and reproductive freedom. Most recently, social media has become a crucial tool for raising awareness and encouraging debate. Feminist campaigns to combat female genital mutilation, to acknowledge the contributions made by women in the past, and to speak out against sexual abuse in all its forms have filtered into mainstream cultural discourse. At the end of 2017, Time magazine named women who had broken their silence on sexual assault as its person of the year. There is still a long way to go before men and women have full equality all over the world, and resistance to this idea has not disappeared. Perhaps feminism boils down to the words of Dorothy Parker, who once said, my idea is that all of us, men as well as women, whoever we are, should be considered as human beings.
Well, I have to say after listening to that, as opposed to the previous audio grab, I have understood where feminism comes from, what it has strived to do in the past, and that there's no one type of feminism. And I felt that the most overwhelming statement made in this educational piece involved the last few words spoken. My idea is that all of us, men as well as women, whoever we are, should be considered as human beings. So let's take a look at the internet and see if we can highlight some of the areas that feminists would like to change around equality of opportunity. We take our next internet grab from a polarizing character by the name of Jordan Peterson. For those that who do not know him, he is a Canadian professor who has a high level of exposure on the internet for his opposition to some feminist teachings and mantras around equality. One view from the feminists is that there is a patriarchy or male dominance that is holding women down from achieving an equitable role in society. Let's have a listen to the the following exchange between Jordan Peterson and this UK interviewer. Well, it's not the modern idea of the patriarchy, that's for sure. I mean, that's, so that's my idea of the patriarchy, which is a, a system of male dominance of society. Yeah, but that's not my sense of the patriarchy. So what's, what's yours? Well, in what sense is our society male dominated? Uh, the fact that the vast majority of wealth is owned by men, the vast majority of capital and is owned by men. Women do more unpaid it's a very, labor. Very tiny proportion of men, and a huge proportion of people who are seriously disaffected are men. Most people in prison are men. Most people who are uh, on the street are men. Most victims of violent crime are men. Most people who commit suicide are men. Uh, most men. Most people who die in wars are men. People who do worse in school are men. It's like. Where's the dominance here precisely? What you're doing is you're taking a tiny substrata of hyper-successful men and using that to represent the entire structure of, the, of Western society. Hey, I'm just presenting these views from the internet. However, I do have to say that in my mind, at least, if you're going to debate a subject, then come prepared with the information and the data which stand up to questioning, as you'll find out in another of Jordan Peterson's interviews. And, and these countries where the outcome is, is, is more equal, why do you think that leads to a bigger differences between Oh, the because there's only two reasons that men and women differ. One is cultural, and the other is biological. And if you minimize the cultural differences, you maximize the biological differences. So, I know everyone's shocked when they hear this. This isn't shocking news. People have known this in the scientific community for at least 25 years. And it's been replicated in the last month three times in three separate samples, including in Science, which is the world's greatest scientific magazine by a large margin. And it isn't a small effect, it's a huge effect. But, so, excuse me, what does it mean? Does it mean that Scandinavian men and women are having more difficulties meeting each other, talking to each other than other places? No, not necessarily, but it does mean that there are reasons for differences in um, participation rates in different occupations that aren't a consequence of socialization. So, for example, this is especially true at the extremes. So, for example, um, on average, men are more interested in things and women are more interested in people. And that's actually the biggest difference we know of psychologically between men and women. And, and even though men and women are quite similar, all things considered, the extremes make a difference. So you imagine that in order to become an engineer, look, obviously not everyone becomes an engineer. You have to have a particular temperamental proclivity to become an engineer, you have to be extraordinarily interested in things rather than people. Well, most of those people are men. 
And if you want to become a nurse, well, then you have to be much more interested in people than you are in things. And most of those people are women. And so you get differences in occupational choice that are also, by the way, quite great in Scandinavia, especially in the case of engineering and nursing, that are mostly due to biological differences, and you cannot minimize that by social engineering. And finally, let's take a look at the gender pay gap argument to see what women think. What's up, guys? This is Will Wee with PragerU. Today, we're at California State University, Northridge. Again, you guys remember this campus, and we're talking to women about the wage gap and whether they think it's real. Let's do it. Do you think the gender wage gap is real? I do. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I do. Why do you think that? Um, I believe it because I've seen research in classes that I've actually taken here. How do you stop the gender wage gap? That's a great question. Um, I think we have to take a look at our government and our understanding of capitalism and consumerism and kind of start working there and work backwards. If you had like a business, you know what I mean, and they could pay women 77 cents for every dollar that a man would make, that would be like capitalism. So they would hire all women. Uh, I suppose in a sense I'm following what you're saying, but... I think they probably couldn't do that because then they would be accused of being sexist against men. Let's see. The interviewer applies a specific logic that on the basis that employers pay less for women, then they would, of course, want to employ more women, I would think, as this would lower their bottom line and increase their profits. And the answer was, no, I don't think so. Hmm. Okay. Feminists will recite all kinds of figures to back up their position without drilling into the details. So we thought we would ask this guy, who I came across on YouTube, who wanted to explain this topic a little further. This whole question is fiendishly complex, and people far smarter than I am have spent their whole careers devoted to it. But I want to begin with a broad observation. There is a gender pay gap among full-time workers around the world. But the size of the gender pay gap varies dramatically by country. Like in New Zealand, women working full-time make on average 90 cents for every dollar that a man working full-time makes, whereas in South Korea that number is just 62 cents. When it comes to calculating the pay gap in the United States, a lot depends on what exactly you're calculating. Like by hourly wage, the pay gap is about 16%. By weekly take-home pay, it's between 18 and 19%. By annual earnings, it's around 21%. The fuzziness here speaks to the complexity of what we're about to get into, but basically men on average work more hours than women on average. Actually, nope, they don't, but men work more paid hours. Now we move to the last topic of this episode. Let's discuss racism. No! God, please, no! Yes, I know. Now I'm not about to get into the whole racist debate, as that would take far longer than we have for this episode. However, one area I would like to highlight here is that the entire white race has the monopoly on racism, to the exclusion of every other race, as seems to be the case in the thinking of some on the internet. Here is a UK interview with a woman who has written a number of books and is an advocate for anti-racism in the UK cultural society so there's this um, imbalance and especially when it comes to education this this the whole system needs to change but well, let, let me look at education Sorry. let's look at the figures on education 33 percent of white kids go to university or further education 37 mm -hmm. percent of black kids go to university mm -hmm. or further education 67 percent of indian kids go to university or further education 76 percent of chinese kids go to university or further education. Where's the racism in that? Let's unpack this one a little. 
Now, I'm not saying this person being interviewed is the only person who bases their position on unsubstantiated claims. I'm sure there are many that do that, and I'm not for one moment suggesting that racism doesn't exist, because clearly it does. However, when a broad-based claim is made, and then an interview where the person being interviewed about what they have written is raised, and the statement made refers to facts about the topic, then perhaps they should have also been prepared with some facts that back up their position. Isn't that like debating 101? But you, you seem to think that white people yeah. are uniquely evil. I didn't say that. I didn't so that, say that individual people are unique. Well, you... I'm no, talking about society. No, 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 no. You said whites are the most violent and oppressive people. Well, yeah. Well, that's what you said in your film. And if you're going to go back so to that would seem to me that statistics point that out too. Really? Well, yes. the Chinese were massacring Chinese and other races long before they'd ever met a white person. Attila the Hun wasn't white. It's the same in the subcontinent if you go back hundreds of years as well. The genocide in Rwanda was yeah. black on black, so, is the, so the is the Congo, uh, which is the rape capital of the world. These are really, these things have got nothing to do with white people. And I feel like this situation where I'm sat on a couch trying to justify um, my feelings towards racism and trying to justify... I would like to take a moment to understand the definition of racism as for some people this seems to be a little sketchy. So let's ask the dictionary and to some people of course this definition may be missing some key points that they may have thought were exclusive to the definition of racism. Prejudice, discrimination or antagonism by an individual, community or institution against a person or people on the basis of their membership of a particular racial or ethnic group, typically one that is a minority or marginalized. Now listeners, I'd like to pose a question to you all in the following way. If I were to tell you that there was a group of people who were singled out from all other people, these people were transported from many miles away and enslaved, summarily tortured and executed, raped and treated like property for their enslavers to do what they like. What group of people would you think that I'm referring to when I make this statement? If you thought I was talking about the Africans who were taken from their land and brought to America and other places in the world, then you would be right. However, I'm also talking about the many others who had been enslaved, all of the above, have happened to many groups of people throughout history, to many different cultures and races over thousands of years. This isolated perspective that racism can only apply to non-white people was highlighted in a recent viral comment made on air when a popular actress-comedian Whoopi Goldberg made some comments to that effect and let's say didn't go down too well with the viewers. But let me say this, black people cannot be not racist. racist. The Holocaust isn't about race. No. No. It's well, not about maybe race. Maybe ethnicity. Yeah, they no, consider it's Jews about, a different it, race. But it's, it's not about race. It's not about well, race. What is it about? Because you, it's about man's inhumanity to man. That's what it's about. But it's about white supremacy. It's well, about but it's not, it's not about and, ideal and race. It's but these are two Roma. white groups of people. Well, they have to black but people see them as white. And they but have you're missing the point. You're missing yeah. the point. The yeah. minute you turn it into race, it goes down this alley. Let's talk about it for what it is. It's how people treat each other. 
As I do at the end of each of my podcasts, I withdraw my middle finger and dial down the sarcasm and let me increase the level of sincerity. In this episode, we covered several topics and I do believe that we are all entitled to our views. However, I also believe that if you are willing to state a position publicly, then you should also be open to criticism and inquiry without taking it as a personal assault. Without debate and discussion, when we close down discussion because it may impact one's feelings, then how do we engage to address issues that do affect all of us and find ways to move forward? As they say in politics, you can't please all of the people all of the time. The best we can hope for is a consensus of views that may be acceptable to most rather than a few. I'm your host, Digaf, and this has been The View From My Middle Finger. You can listen to my podcast episodes on Spotify, Amazon, Apple, and wherever good podcasts are found. You can also check out our website. Just search for tvfmmf.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com tvfmmfinger. And remember, if you don't like the view from my middle finger, too bad, try your own.